Welcome, and thank you for pressing play. I'm Crystal Bergfield, and this is Back to School with Crystal Bergfield. Throughout history, great teachers have stepped forward to help show us the way to coexist in society. They have urged us to consider our role in community. Just like those teachers, I am offering up my knowledge and experience to contribute to a just, responsible, and innovative United States. Through storytelling, interviews, and in-depth discussions, I will dive into the issues that plague our society and highlight new ideas that could contribute to a healthy nation. This podcast is part of a larger curriculum to educate Americans about our society. Find your seat, take a breath, and prepare to expand your mind, your heart, and your reality. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Back to School with Crystal Bergfield. We are out of studio today. To kick off our tax month, I have Laura Brown, owner, president, and chief tax strategist of LBE Consulting, located in Atlanta, Georgia. Laura is a multifaceted business strategist who works with a plethora of clients around the country. She provides accounting services and business consulting to a diverse bed of self-employed professionals. If you want more, check out her bio. Her credentials are major. Laura, thank you for being here today. I'm excited for the listeners to gain some knowledge from an intelligent woman. Women for the win. Thank you so much, Crystal. It's um, a pleasure to be able to be here today, and I thank you so much for inviting me. Yes, thank you for hearing the call to educate folks here in the United States about taxes. And so to begin our conversation today, I'd like to start by asking you to share what got you interested in taxes and accounting. Most people cringe at the thought of that. So what is your why, Laura? So my why was always, I knew that I wanted to own my own business. I always knew I wanted to be a CPA. I love the numbers. I love the money. And part of it was my grandparents and my great-grandparents had third grade education, some of them no education. So I remember at an early age, I was writing checks out of their checkbook and, you know, helping them with their bills and things like that. So I knew that was something that I wanted to help other people to understand money more. Now for my parents, They gave me assignments of looking at the stock market and things like that. But what really shaped me in the end was my family had some tax issues. My dad had went to someone who had prepared a tax return. And back there in those days, there wasn't a lot of information on the internet. I remember it so vividly. I was in the ninth grade and someone had done the tax return. And then he received a letter from the IRS saying he had to go over to our local IRS office at that time. Um, And so I remember him going and being frustrated and then having to go back. And this next time I went with him because in the ninth grade, I was taking computer accounting. I was trying to take all those classes. And I remember going with him, sitting down and the guy was making questions and asking things about on the tax return. And at the end, I remember he said, you need to pay all this money back. And it was like three thousand dollars. So I knew right then it shaped me that that would never happen to anyone else in my family if I could help it. And then as my time went on, it wasn't just my family. I began to see how many people were uneducated. And so I didn't want this to happen to others as well. Wow, Laura. First of all, let me applaud you for seeing outside of yourself. 
You also mentioned that when you were coming up, there wasn't a variety of information. It wasn't easy, easily accessible. The beauty about today is that we are kind of in this age of information where there is so much being thrown at us. And it seems like often we get too much information. And in that, maybe a lot of false information that we can hear or read about online or even watch videos today. I'd really love to pick your brain for the next 20 minutes or so and um, help the people out. And so I'd love to use you as a tool to teach some people today. Are you okay with that? I'm definitely up for it. I'm ready. Awesome. Let's do it then. The tax system is very complex and deep, as I'm sure you know better than most of us. But I'd like for you to share a few things that everyday Americans should know about the tax system and our individual participation, which is basically us paying taxes. Let's start with how to properly determine your filing status. Can you share your wisdom here? Before I go into the tax filing status options, I just want to say that your tax filing status can have a huge effect on your bank account and it determines which tax forms you'll need to fill out in April and which deductions and credits you can claim, as well as the size of some of those deductions and credits. So I'm going to give you a rundown of the five tax filing statuses and how they affect your tax bill. So let's start out with the head of household. This is the one that people always love to tell me, I'm head of my household. No, head of household is for unmarried people paying at least half of the cost of housing and support for others. Meaning you have a qualified dependent, you have children, you are not married. That is what head of household is. Married filing separately is the next one. And that's married high earners, people who think their spouses may be hiding income or people whose spouses have tax liability issues. So they don't want to file a tax return together. So they're filing separately. But here's one note I like to point out. You still will need your spouse's information because a lot of people come to me and I say, I still need your spouse's name, social security date and all of that has to be on the tax return. And then the next one is married filing jointly. And that's what most couples who are married file. And then you have the qualified widow or widower. People who lost a spouse recently and are supporting children at their ho- in their home, this is the tax filing status that they will file. So let's say that last year your spouse died in September. You are able to file as a qualified widow or widower if you have children under a certain age in your home or they're disabled. The last one is single. And those are people who are unmarried, who don't qualify for another filing status that I mentioned above. So that's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot of different things. And actually, as you were speaking, Laura, I had a couple of questions come up. Okay. So if you are married filing separately, you would still take on their liabilities or or is that just a myth? Um, It's somewhat of a myth. And it's somewhat true. What I would say is if you were married at the time that they incurred those tax debts, yes, they can become your tax debts. But what most people don't realize, there is a form that we can help them fill out and it's for an injured spouse. And what that means is 
you're saying I'm not liable for these debts. I didn't know anything about these debts. And so I'm asking for my portion of the tax return. Those are a few things that will help. But I must also point out another side. People who file separately often pay more than they would if they filed jointly. But so you'll have to decide which one is best for you. As a single person, we don't get as many deductions as those who are married or um, have other things going on. And I think that those deductions are necessary for them. But I also know that being single in America is more expensive than being coupled up. What do you think about tax deductions? Are there any out there that single people can take advantage of? It's hard to hustle and live by yourself. Yes, it is advantages that single people can take deductions, and those deductions are already out there. Um, Like I tell people, it's just a matter of tax planning. So when you're going through an automated system and you're filing your taxes yourself, it's not necessarily going to tell you the tax laws. That's why I say to work with a individual to do tax planning. We put tax plans to determine the tax brackets for the single people of what bracket do you fall in. And that lets us know um, what is available out there. So uh, there are a ton of ways to work with single people. There's a ton of ways just to work with people in general, but it takes sitting down with a qualified person. Yes, it does, which is why you're here today. So (laughs) thank you so much, Laura. Awesome. So now we know the different filing statuses. We can start to get into these credits and deductions. Can you start by explaining the difference between credits and deductions? So regarding a tax deduction versus a tax credit, the difference between those two is the credit directly decreases the amount of tax that you owe, while a deduction lowers your overall amount of taxable income. Because a deduction lowers your taxable income, it lowers the amount of tax you owe, but by decreasing your tax bracket, not by directly lowering your tax. So example, if you're in a 25% bracket, a $1,000 deduction lowers your taxes by $250. A $1,000 credit would lower the bill by the full $1,000. So a credit can be done in two ways. A credit can be non-refundable or refundable. A non-refundable credit lets you reduce just your tax liability to zero. A refundable credit can also reduce your tax liability to zero. And so then if there's any amount left over from your refundable credit, you get the balance. So that's how part of ways that people get refunds. So it sounds like even more reason to come and see you, Laura. Yes. <laughs> it starts to get very confusing, right? Very quickly. Yes, it does. I'm glad that there are experts out there like you who can help us work through this. Let's keep going through a little bit more then. So how do we find out what tax credits are available to us? Okay, so before we go into that, I just want to start out by saying that every year um, Congress will decide what tax credits. So if you always hear on the news, they're waiting on tax extenders, or maybe the president will um, sign into law that there's certain tax credits that will be um, extended through a certain period of time. And so this um, past year, what we had was the tax 
Jobs and Cut Act. And so what they did is they extended some of the tax benefits out to 2025. I always tell people, if it's an individual, what you want to do is visit the IRS.gov. That is your most resourceful place. Because as we mentioned earlier, you can go onto the internet and there's so much information that is true and untrue. But if you're going to IRS.gov, you know that that information is true. So they list the credit for individuals. So family independent credits, for instance, there's the income tax credit. That's for having children. There's the child independent care credit. That's if they're in daycare. There's adoption credit. If you have income and savings credits, they have that out there as well. That is a way that I um, tell those that are looking to know what credits are available to them they're out there. Even home ownership, residential energy credits for energy um, efficient property, low income housing credit. There's all kinds of different things. Health care credits, education credit, work related um, deductions used to be out there. But one of the things people have to realize, because, and I'm pointing that out because we get a lot of people now saying this should go on my 2106 where there's no longer a 2106. They removed that. And you just really have to go to the IRS.gov. As you're mentioning, it sounds like it's ever moving, ever changing. It does. It always it always changes. That's one of um, part of our government of what they do. They decide what taxes is out there, what taxes they want to discontinue, you know, and there's taxes that will run their course and they're up. And so they may not renew them or they may not extend them. So that's an important thing. You don't want to try to claim a credit that's no longer out there. Let me ask you, Laura, to lighten the mood here for a moment. <laughs> this is some heavy stuff. Can you have fun at parties or when, when you go and hang out with friends and family, are they just asking you all of these tax questions? Both. <laughs> Both. Both. I can, I, anywhere that I go, if people find out that I do taxes, know the tax law, I promise you. Sometimes I can have fun because sometimes there's people that will respect me and they will just say, you know, here's my card or here's my phone number. Can you call me one day this week or do you mm. have a card where I can call you? Because I don't want to interrupt. I want to let you enjoy. Yes. And now let me enjoy the party. <laughs> yes. Yes. Most definitely. Wow. I couldn't even imagine having that much information in one very detailed space that you hold. Because, and it is something that we are all held accountable to in, the, in this nation. And as we were going back and forth before we had this interview, one of the myths that you debunked for us was that taxes are not optional, right? Uh, this is a system that we have to be a part of. That is so true. So, so let's just keep going then. Okay. Um, what myths are there about the tax system? So there are a lot of myths, and I normally give my 10 good ones, but I'm going to just give you a few. Start out with the ones where people always think that they can claim their pets as dependents. No matter how much you love snuggles, you can't claim them as your dependent. Unfortunately, I have to tell you, this hasn't stopped hundreds of people from trying to to claim Rex Rover or Snuggle (laughs) the cat as an actual dependent. They try it. Well, and it's interesting, Laura, because people do pay a lot of money for pets these days, especially with their doggy daycare of upwards of 50 or $60 a day and all of the other stuff that they need for or think that they need for their dogs or, or cats or whatever. 
And I totally agree because I have several family members that do that. They put them in boarding and they do require a lot of money and support and they have insurance on them. But the number one thing is it's a small technicality. They're not human. I would say that's a large technicality on my part, but I, I have two dogs and um, I'd never thought about writing them off on my taxes, Yes, um, but they are expensive either way. But it's also something that I chose and, and knew going in that this is going to be an extra expense because yes. they don't go to college and then support me when I'm old. Right, right, right. <laughs> Just whatever. Right. Yeah. And the next one that I get is the home office deduction equals the instant audit. But um, I will say there was a time when that myth was actually pretty close to being the truth. However, there are a lot of home offices that have increased. And so one fact has been becoming predominantly fiction now. Uh, another thing, just claiming the home office does not automatically give you scrutiny. Um, they are so common enough that now there is an IRS definition of a home office. So they actually define what the home office is. And so um, if anyone has that um question of what a home office is and does their home office qualify, they can always go to the IRS and so then the next thing I want to say, money made over the internet is not tax-free. So people think, they say, well, I didn't fill out a W-9, so I don't have to report that income. No, that is wrong. That income is reported to the IRS just like everything else. In their eyes, that is money made online is no different than the money you've earned offline if you were at a job. Regardless, if you sell a product, a service, or you end up making more than $400, you're required to declare that income on your tax return. And so people think that the IRS is not going to find out that they've been selling things, that they've done different things on the internet. And I would like to tell you that is false. That is just plain false. That you may not get caught, but eventually you will. I've had people being audited for sales tax by states and the states will notify the IRS to see if that has been claimed on a tax return. And so, Laura, what about these, you know, online, there are so many different ways for people to get money, to get donations. I think about folks who are creating GoFundMes to be able to pay medical bills. Are they exempt? Well, GoFundMe, it requires your social security number. And so what happens is they send out 1099Ks to individuals. Uh -huh. Now, the only people that are exempt is, that it, I think, when you set up that GoFundMe, it asks you, are you a 501c3 nonprofit? And then it will ask you for that information. So the GoFundMe thing is still uncharted waters because I've seen people that have collected for um, medical bills for someone and they they receive the 1099k and they are taxed. Then okay. I've seen some people that have received that have not been taxed. You know, GoFundMe, I tell people just be prepared to report it. Yeah. Just be prepared to report it. Or if we don't have a straight answer, what we do as tax professionals, we have a presidency of the law of what we can use because a lot of these cases are going to court in the tax court and they're going to different courts so we can set a precedence of how we need to act and we have ways to research those tools and make decisions based upon our qualifications if this is taxable income and if it's not. 
You know, as, as you're saying all of this stuff, a quick question, how do you stay on top of all of this? Are you continuing to take classes or do you do self-study? I can imagine yes. with it always changing. Well, I do a numerous amount of things. So every day I have an hour that I read nothing but accounting, tax, industry, periodicals that come into my emails. And then all through the year, I am at tax classes for sales tax. I go for a whole entire week to Chicago. I've done that for five years. And all throughout the year, I'm going for federal taxes all over the United States. I go to Houston. I go to Washington. There is just a numerous. And then I'm backed up by numerous amount of associations that feed, feed us information where we can ask questions to well-known um, tax advocate professionals, tax attorneys, a lot of different outsources. That's how I keep up. Sounds like a full-time job. It can get very cumbersome. That's why I make sure if I practice in an area of taxation that I am familiar, very familiar with it. Um, I don't take on certain areas that I'm not familiar with because... Yeah it can be very detrimental to me and the taxpayer because there is a rule on Circular 230 about us practicing and not knowing what we're doing. So we could be penalized. So my next one is everyone thinks my accountant is liable for any mistakes. The bottom line is that you're the one the IRS is going to be coming after. They're going to send the letters to you. There are a lot of tax professionals that do not answer letters. They are not able to represent you in front of an audit. So you need to make sure that you know what is on a tax return. Know that you can defend it. We may not ask you for receipts or anything, but I always tell my clients to keep receipts. Keep their receipts if they didn't have them. And then most times what has happened is my clients will give me copies of receipts just to go in their file. So if they have a letter or something comes from the IRS, they will forward it to me. And what I'll do is just end up answering the letter. Make sure that you know they're looking to you and for you. Just a question about that, because I know online systems where you can do the taxes yourself, they have this bundle where, oh, pay this extra amount and we'll cover you if the IRS comes. So are you saying that that's not quite true or they could do the same process that you just mentioned of answering those letters if need be? So they can. So what happens is normally, and I'm not familiar with a lot of these self-do-it-yourself types, but I do know a few of them. They will ask, I think at the end of the checkout, it says, do you want to pay an extra fee of maybe I think 40 to $50 for us to answer any IRS letters? Mm -hmm. And that's what that is. If you take out that subscription or whatever that service is that they're selling you, they will answer a letter. But what you need to read in fine print is some of those things in fine print, there is an additional cause for them to represent you in audits after if it goes over so many hours. Ah, uh, okay. Well, thank you for answering all of that. Were there any other myths? I saved this one for the very last one. People think filing taxes is voluntary. It is not. This is falsehood. So there is surprisingly a large number of people who contend that because the Form 1040 instruction books describes that the tax system is voluntary, that that means they have no legal obligation to actually file taxes. You have to file your taxes. The fact that each individual is responsible for determining the correct amount of taxes that they owe, and they have to know whether they're filing taxes on their income or not do they meet the threshold or do they not 
unless you have a legitimate dispute trying to get over on not paying your taxes, I'm going to tell you it's always a bad idea. There are some people that truly will not file a tax return. And that's not because it's voluntary. It's because they're below the threshold Mm -hmm. of the income that's been set. So if they're on Social Security and they're low income and poverty, then they won't. Wow. So to those people who aren't filing your taxes, and and I hear it every year, actually, Laura, of people saying, well, the Constitution says that there is no taxation without representation. What I would say to them after hearing your response is file your taxes and go and become an activist and go in and speak to legislators or or find a way to get active to help change that. If you're not being represented, get out there and represent yourself. File your taxes. (laughs) Yes, I totally agree. So why are taxes important? And do we receive anything in return for our taxes? What most people don't know, the money that you pay in taxes goes many places. Paying salaries for government workers, your tax dollars help to support common resources such as the police, firefighters. Tax money also ensures that your roads will be well maintained. That is part of what taxes pays for. So it's a lot of things. People just think, where is my tax money going? What is going on? This money helps them to do their jobs and it comes from our taxes. And I would add, Laura, that for folks and exactly why I'm doing this podcast is to start educating people around these things that may have been common sense at what time, but they should also be um, widely available for us to understand. And often in media, we're just hearing all of the bad news all the time. So we don't get the education piece, but those taxes are local, state, and federal. I think it's wonderful that you're sharing this, what we would consider should be common knowledge, but isn't so much these days. So thank you for clarifying that. That is so true. They just don't realize when people tell me that, I'm just like, you just don't realize how much of an impact it has because a lot of things that when you think about it, your libraries, your public libraries, your all those come from different tax monies, even schools. Yes, you pay your part when you pay your taxes, but you also have to realize that the federal government give the schools a subsidiary based upon how many students are there. Think about it. If you have kids in school and you want them to get a good education, how can they get a good education if the taxes are not being paid? Yes. And if you don't have kids, you still should be valuing education because those kids are going to become adults one day. And and I think it's much better to have an educated population than, than an uneducated population. Yes, I I really, really agree on this subject. That's part of why it's very important. Yes. Well, thank you again for that. Can you just drive home one more time why professionals like yourself are so very important, not only for us as individuals, but for our collective society and, and community operating? I give them about four or five things of why we are very important. Number one, less stress. Filing your taxes can be difficult, and as time goes on, the more things that you take on, or say, for instance, getting a house, you know, all of those type of things, those are laws that you have to try to maneuver around to make sure that you're taking the right deductions and all of that. So this is where we are able to help the taxpayers ease their stress and leave them with confidence that everything has been prepared without errors. And then the next thing is the knowledge of the tax system. I always say, ask your tax professional how many hours of continuing education do they do? Yes. Um, 
you know, sometimes that is depending on their level, it is voluntary. And then sometimes if they are a CPA, a EA, or attorney, it is not voluntary. They are required to take so much of continuing education and it and you are open to what areas. Just knowing the tax system better than you do, that right there simply shows that it, it's just better because they, they're able to maximize the deductions. And it's just important for people who have more complicated tax situations to work with someone who is familiar with those situations and who is able to prepare those tax returns. That's another reason. Help with planning. Regardless if you have a basic tax return, I always tell people it can be beneficial to hire an expert to help you prepare for any amount of expected financial changes that may occur. And the biggest one I always tell people, divorce. Divorce can affect your tax returns significantly. And there are tax professionals that specialize specifically in divorces. You also want to look at benefits of a 401k to different tax write-offs that you can receive for continuing education. If you're starting a business, even if you're having a baby, those all are help with familiar situations. Thank you so much for driving that point home. I can see it. And so, Laura, I know that you have an amazing program on your burner right now. Can you share a little sneak peek of what you're working on? What are you doing to serve the people in your community with your diverse skill set? We have Rock Your Finances, and that is a financial literacy program that we do. So we've been doing this program for three and a half years. This year, we have decided to add on the Rock Your Finances a tour, and we've also added a mental health component because there are a lot of stress-related symptoms that has to do with money. We are also looking at taking this to be online as well through teaching the financial literacy component with that as well. Yay, somebody's doing it. <laughs> somebody's on here teaching the people. Thank you. I love yes, that. Thank you. Finally, Laura, I'd love for you to give the listeners a few pieces of homework for the week. Every week I give homework. So what should the people be thinking about or doing to learn more about this foundational system in our country and to make sure that they're participating, number one, legally, but also in a way that supports them? One of my homework assignments for you is this year, the IRS kicked off Check Your Paycheck campaign. And so it's asking the taxpayers to take a peek at their paycheck stubs and ensure that they are doing the correct withholding amount on their paycheck. That is one of my homework. I challenge you to continue to do that because what we're finding out is most people without incorrect withholdings that um, it's placing them on the hook for a big tax bill that they're not able to pay or that they're very stunned and surprised. Second thing I would say is homework. Talk to a tax professional on tax planning. Ask them their background to make sure that they're a good fit to help you with your tax planning needs, but see what suggestions that they have to help you throughout the year. Because one of the things that you can't do, and this is what we have happen, in December, everybody wants to know, what can I do to change my tax bill? It's December. <laughs> there are a few things that we tell them that they can do at the last minute, which is give to charity and, you know, but those do not make significant impacts. If you want a significant impact of being able to keep more of your money and paying less in taxes, then you have to do tax planning all year round. 
and working with a tax professional on tax planning, they will help you to do this. When your circumstances change, you reach out to us because we will change the tax plan. Know that these things are not set in stone. A tax planning professional can help you know if you're wanting to take out a big sum of your 401k, what repercussions there are. Those are my two things. Check your paycheck withholdings and work with a tax professional. Awesome. You heard it from Laura, y'all. Do your homework. So the homework, just to reiterate, checking the IRS website. So just go and be curious, learn about it. We all are on the internet all day long. So take a moment, check out the IRS website, check your paycheck, and then talk to a tax professional on planning. That is your homework for the week. Elevate your mind, your heart, and your reality. I will be back in the studio for the next episode when I dive deeper into the foundations of our tax system. 